0: This is the second Sunday in a row that I'm here. This is unusual. God must be doing some very strange things because I normally only get invited out once. <laughs> but it is, it is a great joy to be with you. We're continuing a little mini series uh, on belonging, and uh, this morning it goes around belonging in community. Um, I, I, I was deeply impacted by the charismatic movement during the early 80s, end of the 70s, early 80s. Celia and I were living in Pretoria, and um, Hatfield exploded from nothing to five, 6,000 people. Raymer was going strong, and there was a, a, a sense of unity amongst the different things that God was doing in the different churches. And it kind of culminated in um, the guys in IFCC being formed. So we've heard of that. And one of the initial uh, initial gathering together was a huge meeting that was held at the Standard Bank Tennis Arena. I only have ever been to that place once in my life. It was near Ellis Park. And uh, uh, it's got a seating capacity of about 6,000, and it was packed. And everybody from the different flows came together to worship together because that was that is what they felt God was doing, bringing us into unity. And I'll never forget, Bob Mumford was the guy that brought the address. And he preached a sermon that has stuck, uh, stuck with me um, all my life. And uh, he took as uh, his uh, scripture, Luke chapter 22, from verse 19. It says, he took... This is about the communion, and we actually had communion. And I, I, I wondered before, and how are they going to serve communion to 6,000-odd people? But we all got a little wafer and a little thing to, to celebrate communion with us. And uh, this is verse 19, Luke 22. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Um, I didn't give the scripture to the guys, but in one Corinthians chapter eleven, Paul begins to give us some teaching and some instruction around the breaking of bread. Uh, it's one Corinthians ten. He says, uh, from verse sixteen, "It's not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks, a participation in the blood of Christ, and it's not the bread that we break, a participation." in the body of Christ. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. And then, um, he says, uh, we need to be really, really careful how we share the body of Christ, because if we do not discern the body, many have fallen asleep. In other words, many have died, because they incorrectly handled the body of Christ. And so what Bob Mumford said was, when Jesus broke the bread, he said, this is my body that I'm breaking represented in the bread. And he broke the bread and he gave it to the disciples. We do exactly the same thing when we celebrate communion. We break a piece of ourselves and we give it to each other. And if we don't discern the body of Christ... We bring judgment upon ourselves. And so he said it wasn't only Jesus superimposed above that. It's every time we break bread. So when we gather together in koinonia, which is the Greek word of fellowship, participation, living our lives together, as we live our lives together, we break a piece of ourselves off and we give it to each other around the table. The Bible sees... Community before individuality. In Philippians chapter 1, and we get these verses wrong so often because we kind of come from a background of the individual and all these verses are around salvation and how the individual behaves. But um, if you look at Philippians chapter 1, right at the beginning it says, To all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and the deacons. So this is a letter to all God's people, not to individuals. In verse 4 of chapter 1, In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership, that's that word again, in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, not you the individual, us, began a good work in us, will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. And so God looks at community. Paul writes and he says it's the community that's going to prosper and go forward. And we've kind of with the, the um, Protestant movement and they've taken that to mean the individual. In chapter 2, verse 12, it's a similar thing. It says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence but now much more in my absence. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's us. We are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling as we break off a piece of each other, of ourselves and we give it to people. And the great sadness is when we come into communities, we withhold and we don't share our lives with other people. Um, and so what the Bible uh, perceives and kind of imagines for us is wholesome, healed relationships, uh, mutually encouraging relationships that build each other up, where we share our life with each other, et etc. And so what does the Father's house look like? I'm just going to give you four points. Um, I don't have time to elaborate on them. And then I'm going to have a look at how do we create an atmosphere of community amongst us as we go forward. And then I believe there's a thing that's going to happen around the communities after that. And so what what does the Father's house look like? Number one, it is filled, and I'll just give you the headings, it is filled with radical gospel-centered disciples. Those who who have received the good news, understood the good news, and want to tell other people about the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Father's house should always have a conversation around the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. We sung about that. We prayed about that. And our conversation in the corridors should be of a passionate, devoted people with the gospel being the center of our lives. That's what the Father's house looks like. Secondly, the Father's house is a place of freedom. Freedom. Of freedom, where we help each other as we break parts of ourselves out and share it, we help each other to a place of freedom, a place where there's no fear or concern or worry about what the future holds, etc., um, etc., et and I could carry on a lot about that. Where the power of sin together as we work at our salvation is broken. Where addictions are broken off people, where traditions and the burdens that that brings is broken off, and it's a place of freedom. Number th- three, it's a place where faith is expressed in love. Galatians 5, verse 6 says, The only thing that counts, the only thing that counts, those are very, very impactful words. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So the Father's house is a place where love is expressed through faith that encourages and, um, and moves to a place of action. So it's faith operating through love that brings about action and uh, all the rest of that, that we, and all the action that we see in the life of the church. Together, we are in love. And in faith, journeying into a place of harmony, of, of the presence of God, and the joy of the Lord. Together we are seeing the bride of Christ being formed amongst us in a, in a really wonderful way. It's where we love our neighbor as ourselves, and I could expand on that. And so it's a place filled with radical, gospel-centered disciples. It's a place of freedom. It's a place of faith expressing itself in love. And then number four... It's a place where we walk by the Spirit. Galatians 5 verse 16. We're encouraged to walk by the Spirit, not by the flesh. Walk by what we can't see, not what we can see. Walk in step with God um, and connecting us to the power of God. Where we develop this love for the presence of God, which is what we experienced this morning already. So I think those are the four main characteristics for me as to what the house of the Lord looks like. In 1 John 1, verse 7, John says, now John was the disciple whom Jesus loved. He had this really special love relationship with Jesus. Um, And so he writes this uh, in verse 7. Or let's go back to verse 6. 1 John 1, verse 6. If we claim... To have fellowship with him. That's with Jesus, with God. And yet we walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. It's kind of fairly obvious. And this is how he brings that's the context. Now he's, listen to what he says. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, not with God. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. It just flows from walking in the light. You can't walk in the light and not be in community. And, and here's the result, the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. It's an immensely powerful verse that, immensely powerful. It says, if we walk in the light, in the light of God's truth, in the light of his grace, in the light of his power, if we walk in kind of surrounded by the light of God, the revelation of truth, We will have fellowship with our brothers and sisters. And out of the flow of that light and the fellowship, the blood of Jesus will purify us from sin. And so in that scripture, is there any place for a Christian to say, I love God and I love Jesus, but I don't like the church? Is there any place? Because what are you cutting yourself off from? The blood of Jesus purifying your sins. And so it is immensely important You know, you can't love God and not love your brothers and sisters. It is impossible. It's like say I'm a deep-sea diver, but I hate the sea. It doesn't doesn't work. It's it's illogical. It's it's, it's meaningless. And uh, John, who understood these things, he said, if we're in the light, we will love one another, and the blood of Jesus will sanctify that whole process with us. Um, We know that... Life is in the blood. If blood stopped flowing in your body, you'd have an issue. Um, our kidneys are purifying the blood all the time in our bodies. You remove the flow of blood, and we end up not managing to survive at all. Survival is not possible without the blood of the, of, in our bodies and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we step into that when we walk in the light and we love each other. You cannot have a proper relationship with Jesus and not with his body. The proof of our relationship with God is walking in the light and loving our Christian family. That's the evidence. Without it, it's not an option. Uh, And Jesus takes it rather personally. He says in Matthew chapter 25, verse 40, Whatever you do for the least of your brothers and sisters, you do for me. So you withhold, you don't break off a piece of your life and you give it. You withhold, Jesus says you're withholding from me. Remember those guys who said, when did we give you a cup of water? When did we clothe you? When did we do that? He said, Inasmuch as you did for the very least of your brothers and sisters, you did it for me. Suddenly Jesus makes us very personal. And it's him that we give into, to. And it's him that we love in. Okay. The last few moments, let's just have a look at Galatians chapter 6. So we've seen how important it is to be in community, to be in in healthy relationship with each other. We've seen um, what the Father's house looks like. But I'm going to share a few points out of Galatians chapter 6 from verse 1 where we can create an atmosphere in our home groups, and we can create an atmosphere that would facilitate the blood of Christ cleansing us from sins. So, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens. That's breaking a piece of ourselves and sharing it. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instructions in the Word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Just a few things we pick out of this thing. The house of God is to be a place where we restore people gently. When a filthy, horrible, smelly sinner comes through the door, he should be met with mercy and grace not with judgment. And we're so quick to judge. And that word restore means to um, restore a broken bone. I broke a little bone here a few weeks ago. And I'm so glad they restored it gently (laughs) and not viciously. And so it means to restore those that, that are broken. So Jesus on the cross absorbed your failings and your sin. The house of the Lord it's meant to be a place that absorbs human weaknesses and failings. We don't live with them. We deal with them. But it's a place that we absorb human failings. Um, many years ago, we had a, a guy uh, who had an adulterous relationship with another uh, a lady in, in our church. And the husband came home and, and caught them. And so the guilty party... The first thing he did was he jumped in his car and he rode straight to my office to come and confess. I often wondered over the years what was it that we were building in the life of the church that when he was caught, like in sin, he ran to the church and not away from it. And so, we to create an atmosphere. We don't tolerate sin; we deal with it. But we create an atmosphere that is able to absorb the sinfulness. And etc of the world number two: we get to carry each other 's burdens. Bob Bumper used to speak of our own load of oppressive thoughts. Each one of us carry around this load of oppressive thoughts. <laughs> and we're meant to carry each other's as we help each other face the journey of life and walk through life. We do it with no thought of reward. It says further on in verse 5, we're to carry our own load. So while we're carrying our own load, we're helping to carry the burden of our brother and sister. And while they're carrying their own little load of oppressive thoughts, they're helping us to carry ours. And together, we work at our salvation. And together, we are able to honor God. Um, The third thing is extend mercy, not judgment. In other words, don't judge people and think of yourself more highly. We like quoting that verse to each other in a kind of a joking way. But um, no room for comparison, no room for jealousy, mercy, mercy that sets the agenda. And then... The next one is high honor, that we live in a culture of high honor, high honor towards God and his word. It says that nevertheless, the one who receives instructions in the word should share all good things with the instructor. And so we're called to honor those that teach, those that lead. we call to honor God above all else. We're called to extend honor towards our fellow believers. Honor positions us to be able to receive from God. It says criticism and its gossip that closes the window of heaven over your life, and we're all guilty of that on a daily basis. But it's the criticism, it's the judgment that paints us into this very, very narrow little corner where we just end up being miserable. It's honor. It's honor. It's honor. There's honor amongst the Trinity. There's honor in the Father's house where we honor all things. And then finally, we create an atmosphere of generosity And I've read that scripture. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Sow sparingly, reap sparingly, sow extravagantly, outrageously, generously. You'll receive that. Give generously to your brothers and your sisters, whether that's finances, which is the context here, or time, or effort, or just a listening ear, so understand the difficulties that you're going through. We we're going to walk through this thing together. Uh, sitting with someone who's mourning, who's deeply disturbed, and crying, just sitting with them. Not saying anything or doing anything, just sitting with them, saying that I'm here with you, fighting the battles of life, um, from wealth, and prosperity. And those were no debt. Only debt is for um, a home and perhaps a motor car. Otherwise, no debt at all. Live within your means. In other words, cut your coat according to your cloth. Uh, and then he said, "Take ten percent and tie ten percent to the church off the top. Take ten percent and give that away." As offerings, take 10% and save. So you save 10%, 10% you give away, and 10% is the tithe. The 70% that you have over, guaranteed, has more purchase power than your original 100%. Sylvan, I have a testimony of living way beyond what we could ever merit or afford way, way, way beyond, and it hasn't stopped because we've put those financial sowing principles into um, our budget. And so you want to create an atmosphere of generosity, love without reward, not expecting anything in return. And so for a Christian, it is impossible to walk in the light to experience the truth and the light and the revelation of Christ and not love your brother and sister and not be part of a community, a smaller community, that where you can live these things out, where we can help each other work at our salvations, where we can carry each other's load of oppressive thoughts as we carry our own. It doesn't work any other way. Any other way is just deception, Because the devil would want to divide us. He'd want to have these lone Christians all over the place. And it just does not work. It's when we are walking in the light, in fellowship with our brothers and sisters, that the blood of Christ is able to wash us from all sins. Profound truth.